Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Yes, welcome back everybody to part two of the December 11th edition of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We are in Toronto. It was a snowy day today, but we still were able to settle in, get that hot cup of cocoa, and discuss what's going on in the world of fantasy hockey. I am your host and your guide for this exploration around the league, Elon Dubrovsky. And joining me, of course, Brian Com for part two, as we're going to talk about 22 teams in one hour. That's the plan that Eric Carlson has had some success against to varying degrees. So, Brian, let's get right back into it. I guess I should throw to you to say hello, at least, for people who maybe haven't listened to part one in a while. Brian is actually here, I promise. Hey, Brian. Hi, I'm here, confirmed. And we have a lot of we have a lot to get to, Elon. I don't know what, do it. what you think we can... Uh, like. We can do this. Okay, let's, let's try. Start. All right, we're going to New Jersey next. You know, okay, step one, I'm not going to give the stats anymore of how Carlson has done against these teams, but we can share this with the patrons afterwards of the spreadsheet. But okay, we're going to New Jersey. Who's hot? Jack Hughes is hot. Not surprised. Jesper Brad is hot. Not surprised. Akira Schmid has been really great in a backup role with Blackwood injured. Uh, Schmid has four wins in his last uh, five games, and four of those are quality starts. And uh, Vanacek just got blown up in that last game. So I wonder if Schmid gets a shot. Well, uh, New Jersey plays Monday, Tuesday next week. So definitely as a streamer, if you can fit him in. Akira Schmidt seems to be really good. And I thought that the whole story was that Nico Dawes was like the future goalie in New Jersey. But now it's going to be interesting. So for you dynasty heads, I'd actually be curious to get people's opinions on is it Schmidt or Nico Dawes that's going to eventually come in and, and be the next goalie for this team after Vanacek and Blackwood are done. Uh, Schmidt only 22 years old and look, looking really good. I don't know. Anything to say here, Brian? Blackwood has been skating also, so it's possible that Schmidt gets sent down again. New Jersey's probably going to win no matter who their goalie is because they're just so stacked. That's definitely a big part of it, of why Schmidt is racking up wins, but he's also played really, really well. Like, this is not to take anything away from him. I don't know, Elon. My takeaway is that New Jersey does not need Mackenzie Blackwood, like, at all, right? Between Vanacek and Schmidt, I'm sure the two of them can hold it down. I mean, this is, of course, small sample, but Vanacek has, uh, like... He's looked he's looked capable this year, which is about what we'd expect him to be, like a little bit above his expected numbers, which is great because um, New Jersey doesn't need a goalie to win them games, but it helps if they don't lose them games, which is not what Mackenzie Blackwood has been able to accomplish for them in recent years. So yeah, I think uh, maybe that's the takeaway for New Jersey, although I think Blackwood was already on the outs with the organization, but now perhaps even more so. Yeah, I mean, he had an opportunity to start the year, but he can't stay healthy. And uh, that's too bad. Uh, maybe he'll do well somewhere else. Uh, cold players on New Jersey, according to Frozen Tools. We've got Severson, who's been cold all year. Alex Holtz, Sharangovich. I mean, Sharangovich at one point was playing with Jack Hughes, like last season especially, and was doing really well. But now the lines have been pretty like secure for a while now. Tatar, Heeshir, Brat, and then Mercer, Hughes, and Eric Haula. So those are the only forwards that you should be interested to varying degrees in New Jersey. The rest, like a Sharangovich, obviously we're going to forget about. All right, next up, Brian, the Buffalo Sabres. And that is a team 
team that has one guy that everyone knows about in Tage Thompson who like just wins weeks for you if you have him in fantasy. Like that game versus Columbus was just insane. Five goals, one assist, nine shots. Like w- what's more to say? Like th- they covered it on short shifts. Uh, after that, he only had a measly assist versus Pittsburgh. Like it's becoming disappointing when you only get the point from Tage Thompson. I, I don't know. He's got 41 points in 28 games on the year. I, I'm very excited to see what he's going to do <laughs> the rest of the way. I don't really know. Like, there's not advice to give, right? In that line, you know, he's playing with Skinner, who's injured or suspended now. That's very annoying. That was a stupid thing he did. Just, like, cross-check for no reason. Like, doesn't care about my fantasy team. It would be nice if Yahoo... Why can't Yahoo just let us put it? I've already discussed this before. I think it's unfair that Yahoo doesn't let us put suspended players in IR. Like, I didn't cross-check anybody, okay? So why am I being punished? Like, just let me stash him in IR and at least, like, fill the spot. I've already lost, like, Jeff Skinner. Like, I'm getting punished enough. I traded Patrick Line to get this guy. Anyway. That's annoying. But so what, I guess we should look at the lines, right? With Well, anyways, with Skinner out, they lost today or yesterday. And Tage Thompson didn't get a point. I guess he it had was... six shots. Like he's still, like Tage Thompson, it is very, very rare good. that he doesn't get three shots. And it's actually kind of rare he doesn't get four shots. It's actually kind of rare that Tage Thompson doesn't get six shots. <laughs> he's net. very good. Yeah, It's yeah. crazy. So I was just going to point out, yeah. So Casey Middlestat was playing with Thompson and Alex Tuck. So maybe that'll hold for uh, Tuesday and Thursday. But those are like busy days next week. So before you go rush to grab Casey Middlestat for those two games, keep in mind that you might want to check to make sure you have a roster spot for him. Uh, but yeah, I guess on cold streaks, I don't know, Owen Power is cold, but I guess we've already discussed how he's just someone that's just not going to do it this year. Paterka is someone that that second line with Quinn, Cousins, and Paterka were looking really good a couple of weeks ago when Buffalo had a good schedule. And then anyone who rushed to grab Paterka, I believe, Brian, you were one of them. Very disappointed probably in the results. He's pointless in his last three. I'd imagine you've dropped him by now. Yeah, he's long gone. And like, it's going to be, I'm going to need some time to recover before I try. But like, adding him instead of someone else, I made a couple terrible ads this week that basically ended my chances to win my own kickup full matchup, keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, kkupfl.com for more info. Um, so yeah, that, that really hurts. I, it's going to be hard. Like, I don't know how. In a game with so many goals and where there's so much offense happening around you, JJ Paterka. You did nothing. It was very disappointing. Elon, I thought you were going to ask me if Tage Thompson can keep up his 120-point pace. I mean, probably not, Like, but probably he could be 100. Like, I don't know. He seems, like, really amazing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think 100-point pace is, is definitely in the cards. Like, I'm, I'm looking through all the numbers I usually do, and I'm not seeing, like, I'm seeing high production, but it's backed up by high highly sustainable numbers like yeah his points participation is a little high at five on five but his shot rates are just so insane and he's shooting from such dangerous territory like he's shooting 21 percent on the power play that can keep up he's shooting 14 percent at even strength that can keep up Uh, his teammates around him are shooting at a pretty reasonable rate like if you take 130 shots and you're converting in a, what seems to be a sustainable way on 16% of them, there's a good chance Tage Thompson can keep this up. Did you know Tage Thompson already has more than half the total shots that he took last season? Last season, he took 253 shots in 78 games. This year, 130 shots in 28 games. These are like Alex Ovechkin shot-taking numbers. This guy is prolific. And I don't know, Elon, I'm not even ruling out 120 points as well, a look, possible yeah. pace here. Like, he just has these crazy... This isn't the first time he's done this. <laughs> like, had, like, a four or five goal game. So, you know, he could continue to give you, like, solid production. And then one 
once every like month, he'll win you a week in, in a single game. So if he can keep this up, yeah, he could be one of the top guys in fantasy. It's amazing. Uh, okay, next up, we're going to go to Colorado here. And Eric Carlson, point, uh, 0.81 points per game against Colorado. So we're starting to get to teams where he hasn't been as amazing against. Uh, the Avs have been hurting a lot in terms of the injury front, they've lost Nathan McKinnon for like a month. So that really sucks, but they still won today against St. Louis. Thanks to Miko Randon scoring all three of the goals. And they've also got some reinforcements back. Nichushkin is back. Lekkanen is back. They formed the top line. And so obviously those are the three that you're like going to be especially interested in. Then you've got your like JT Comfers and your like Alex Newhooks who both had assists today, but they become less and less interesting as more people come back. Like Rodriguez I saw is like going to be coming back soon. So maybe like Comfer or Newhook gets bumped from the top power play again, I'd, I'd imagine, right? Like if you look at the Colorado lines in the last game, I already told you that the top line was, yeah, Ranson, Nichushkin, and Lekkanen. And then the top power play was Nichushkin, Ranson, Lekkanen, and JT Comfer. So we've already seen Alex Newhook lose like any of that interesting deployment. And like Comfer probably will lose it soon also. So we're kind of back to where we were before with Colorado, just minus, you know, Nate McKinnon and, but plus like Nichushkin back. So there we are. That's it. That really is all there is to it. All these guys in Colorado that we were hoping to see more from. Yeah, as you said, Elon, the the cast of characters is shifting often enough that an opportunity one game for any of them doesn't necessarily mean they're still going to have that opportunity the next game. And I think most of us are like the most disappointed with Alex Newhook, you know, having the pedigree that he has, right? He was a 16th overall pick back in 2019. So a first rounder and uh, was able, like he was okay, but he took one shot over three games, which wasn't great. And then he had two assists to go with them, but it's not enough. Like these are like, uh, these are like Alex Kerfoot, Colorado or Toronto numbers. And we just wanted to see more. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, Also like uh, Patty wanted us to talk about uh, Devon Taves on D like who's having like a fine season you know he's got like a 55 point pace now uh but last year he had a 71 point pace i think we've already kind of discussed and i think you could summarize this well on our discord uh like this is this is good and like maybe you shouldn't expect anything more like if you're not happy with what he's doing now probably that's too bad like you're not going to get more but you should like obviously it's still like a really valuable person in fantasy Yeah, last year, Taves had 12 power play points in 66 games from the second unit. This year, it's uh, like a more reasonable two power play points in 24 games from the second unit. So that's one reason why uh, Devin Taves isn't isn't doing as great. And I know that doesn't sound like a big difference, but um, at this point in the season, it kind of is the difference between a 70-point pace and a 55-point pace. The other place to look for Taves to see what's going on while he's on the ice is at 5-on-5. The Avs have not been as strong offensively with him on the ice, both in their expected number and definitely not in their actual number. They are shooting barely 6% with Taves on the ice, so there is room to bump him up a little bit just based on uh, expecting that regresses, but I think a a part of that is because of how many injuries there have been in Colorado and how there hasn't been too much of a second line for a while, and maybe he's not out enough with the first line to be able to cash in on enough of what they're doing. So a healthier Avs team will be better for Devin Taves. I think he's still going to finish above his current 50 five point pace but i think he is going to fall short of that 70 point pace from last year yeah i think right around 55 seems pretty reasonable to me i don't even think he's going to go too too much higher but i guess we'll see obviously it'll depend I on do. his health yeah i'll take the over okay uh next up we've got the montreal canadien who lost to la four to two yesterday and they like switched up their lines going into the game i was like oh no uh 
Kirby Doc, you're going back to center align. And then they had Josh Anderson on the top line that lasted like a period, I think, maybe two. And then they switched back. So who knows now what's going to happen for Montreal when they play their next game tomorrow on Monday. Uh, in the meantime, looking at the hot and colds here, uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, always hot. So that's not a surprise. Christian Dvorak is on the list. I guess he's their other center that's been playing on a line with Dadanov and then Mike Hoffman, who came back from injury. So... I don't know. Three points in his last three games. But before that, he was doing nothing. It's like, I, it's, I, I gotta be, like, I'm bored. Like, I know this is our show, and I shouldn't be. You're but bored. Like, well, but yeah. I'm trying to bring the enthusiasm with my voice, even if the content <laughs> isn't interesting. No, it's, yeah, no, and you're doing the best you can with this material. <laughs> but there's only so many times I can hear about Montreal Canadiens, Kristen Dvorak, and Mike Hoffman. And already, I'm tired of Montreal Canadian Evgeny Dedanov. Like, there's just not a whole lot. All right. To, to well, s- I think to sink our yeah. teeth into there. Well, Kirby Doc is the interesting one, just because yeah. he was like so good for a while, and now he's like he's gone pretty cold, right? Like he had an assist a couple games ago, but we're looking at like an assist every couple games at this point over the last stretch. So maybe we're getting to it now that we're seeing also that you know Martin Saint Louis isn't even like so locked in on him staying on the top line. Maybe he will be, but we saw him waver a little bit. So I, I don't know. I think that you could probably drop Kirby Doc in your deeper leagues. I'm not saying he's nothing, but he's also hasn't been shooting that much lately. So definitely a lot less interesting than he was a month ago. Have you noticed in Montreal, there's no, um, they, they went five forwards for a bunch last game? Yeah, Brian, I, I have. I think Mike Matheson had been doing pretty good, but he missed the last game with an injury. Uh, we actually had a question about Mike Matheson. So, but yeah, while he's out, they're not. it seems like they're going to go back to what they were doing when Matheson was hurt before, which was they're not putting a Caden Gooley or an Arbor Czech guy or whatever on the top power play. They're going five forwards. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the extent is of this Matheson injury. I don't think it's too, too long. Uh, Trev wanted us to talk about him, asking if like his... 55 point pace with uh, peripherals is sustainable. I mean, it's only five points in nine games, so it's kind of hard to discuss discuss if that's like sustainable or not. And I, yeah. It's already fallen out of 46 point pace, but he is like their top power play defenseman. So I'd be interested in him if he fell into cupful to me. Yeah, I think I, I think 55 points is probably a little high given what we think we can expect from this Montreal team. But I think is currently on a 46 point pace, and I think that is uh, that seems right. Like it doesn't seem like he's really over performing anyway maybe uh, participating a little too much in what's going on at five on five um limited power play production so far two power play points in nine games like i could see this being uh like a nick letty on long island situation but maybe a little a little better because at least Matheson is taking you know almost two and a half shots per game okay next up is the dallas stars and we have Jamie Ben in the cold streak section. The hot, we've got Miro Haskinen, not surprising. Uh, cold, Delandria, Gurianov, and Jamie Ben over on Frozen Tools. And Ben is the one who was like so good for so long, just getting all those points on the power play. It's kind of cooled off now. He's still almost at a point per game on the year. He's 27 points in 28 games, but now in his last five games, only a goal, though it was a goal in the last game. And generally the rule of the fantasy hockey podcasting is you don't call a guy who just scored cold. Uh, maybe it's the start of something, a power play goal, but... I think you said before, Brian, that if he's not getting points on the power play, like that's the only place where he's going to produce. And it seems like he's like cooled off there a little bit. So what, what, what do you think? Ben, Jamie Ben is still putting up some decent shot numbers uh, overall. Like he's got 17 shots in his last five games, which is more than we're used to uh, expecting from Jamie Ben over the last few seasons. And what I've said is borne out, like most of his production has still come on the power play. Not much is happening at five on five, but he's still getting good looks on the power play. So that's enough reason to keep him in like a deeper league. Uh, Elon, I have a question for you. Would you prefer to continue rostering Kirby Doc or Jamie Ben? Give me Ben, I think, at this point. I like more shots. 
that power play has a bit more teeth with Nick, or not Nick, <laughs> Jason Robertson. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll take Ben. Yeah. I, I think Ben, you know, at least you're guaranteeing something in the shots column, which Doc can't. I think I think points upside is higher for Doc the rest of the year. But if you want to try and like lower your expect temper your expectations, but get something a little more certain, I can see why you might prefer Jamie Ben. Yeah, I mean, he's got like a point per game on the season. Like I said, even with this cold streak, I'm not saying he's going to be point per game rest of the way, but I could see him getting a solid 60 point pace. He also throws some hits. Actually, he's kind of slowed down on the hits. He used to be a big hitter. Anyways, I guess he is 33 and he's maybe trying to find a different way to play so that he could sustain his career a bit longer. All right, next up, let's go to the Calgary Flames here. We've got the, the guys who are hot are the ones that we're happy to see that they're hot. Nazem Kadri, Elias Lindholm, Jonathan Huberdeau are the ones listed on Frozen Tools. I'm sure Flames fans are just happy to know that they've got the, the players that they were expecting to do well or doing well, which was not something that you could say at the start of the year. Kadri was good at the start of the year, then it was cold. Now he's doing well again. I think the most interesting name here is Jonathan Huberdeau, just because he had that really disappointing start to the season. And yeah, he's hot technically, four points in his last four games, but we're looking at all like assists lately. I'm talking about Huberdeau. Uh, just so it's four assists in his last four games. Not that many shots. So Huberdeau's starting to look a little bit like a Rob Thomas almost in like it's basically assists or, or nothing, which is not what you want to see from someone that you drafted in you know your first or second round of your league. So while it is nice to see him getting some points, still, I don't know. I'm still pretty disappointed if I drafted him super high. But I, at, least, at least you didn't draft Mackenzie Weger super high, unless you did, in, the, in which case you're really disappointed because he's a, a total snoozer at this point. This is a trade-away opportunity for Jonathan Huberto, for sure. Like, there is a chance that he can be his former self, but last game, he played only 15 minutes. Uh, And then on top of that, he's only taken six shots over his last six games. This is someone who averaged three shots per game last season and, like, went in the, like... Huberto was not always a huge shooter. Like, he sort of ebbed and flowed, but this is like a double or triple ebb if Huberto's shot taking this is much more than we'd want to see from him and the fact that we are past the quarter mark of the season and it hasn't come back I know the sunk cost fallacy is is really really active here because they're like okay well I've held him this long I've made it this far and I would just be trying to to get rid of him I, I don't want like maybe he'll figure it out by game 40 or 50 but at that point what 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 have you been missing out for another 15 games until that moment. Um, and of course, he'll make a big fool of me if Huberto turns it around before then. But just the fact that the shots aren't coming, um, this guy scored 30 goals last year. And so far, he is on pace for uh, like 15 in a good scenario. So I'm really still not liking what I'm seeing from Huberto, even though the points start coming, they're not coming uh, in like a strong way. They're coming in sort of mercifully, but not with any kind of authority. Yeah. And by the way, another player that's not hot right now is Jacob Markstrom, who the Stripeless Zebra on our Discord wanted us to bring up how he's leading the league in goals against on the first shot of the game. He's up to six now, which is not what you want to like. That's that must be very deflating. Uh, I would be very annoyed if I added a goalie and then like, like, you know, you're streaming a goalie. You're all excited to see how he's going to do them right away. Like a goal against. That used to happen to me with like Philip Grubauer every time I brought him. Yeah, he, he's been the king of first first shot goals against while he's been in Seattle. I mean, the thing that Markstrom, Markstrom's been bad and it is super deflating. It's a terrible way to start a game for you personally and for your team. The only thing that Markstrom has going for him right now is that Vladar has put in three consecutive starts that have all been eh or bad. 
Uh, he stopped 18 of 20 against Arizona for the win. Uh, that's a 900 save percentage, an 893, but still won against Minnesota. And then lost to Toronto with an 853 in that game where he and Matt Murray both let in uh, some questionable goals on their ends. So I, I, we had Mason in the in our Discord server, by the way, Twitterless Mason, who was mentioning. I, I couldn't tell how cheeky he was being, but he's like, well, you know, a lot of the goals that Vladar gave up, a bunch were on the power play and also in overtime. So even though he has an 853 on the night, um, it's not so bad if you don't count those, which is what, you know, Brian and Elon tell us to do. Uh, like forget what's happening on the power, like when you're shorthanded or at three on three and focus on what's happening at five on five, which still holds true, right? That's the most common game state. Uh, if your goalie's not playing well at five on five, well, that's really unfortunate. Like, even if they're great shorthanded, you're at five on five for like 80% of the game, at least uh, in most nights. So that's that's why we still look at these five on five numbers. It's also the biggest sample we have to actually gain useful data from. So Vladar at uh, like he's playing at about his expected level now after these uh, these most recent outings and Markstrom is playing a little bit below that. Neither one has been particularly good, but I'll also add neither one has been particularly awful at five on five, which is, again, Markstrom's saving grace. He hasn't been that bad. Vladar hasn't been that good. The door is still open, but he's got to make that first save. Yeah, definitely. I think that at this point, maybe like it'll be 50-50 the rest of the way. Like You're not excited about Markstrom and maybe you're excited about Vladar just because you maybe got him out of free agency and it was hard to find goalies in your league. All right, so next up, we're going to the New York Islanders, who, of course, who's hot? Brock Nelson, because he's amazing. He's the least respected best player in the league. The, or maybe I can say the most underrated is the common way to say it. He's up to 28 points in 29 games. This current streak is eight points in his last eight. I'm not surprised. Brian, are you surprised? I'm not surprised. He's taking a ton of shots. He's, he's doing what Brock Nelson always does, and no one cares. I'm a little surprised because, you know, we've we've pointed out that he seems to be scoring a little bit over his head. You, you have. Yeah. I've, I'm a huge fan. I yeah. don't, I don't want to be lumped into the group that's been pointing out that he's doing anything unsustainable. Like, no, he just I, seems to do it every year. 40 hey, goals I, last year. I have enjoyed Brock as a really steady guy. Uh, and that's what Nelson has been over the last several years, except for the one down year in 2020, 2021. But outside of that, like, he shot 22% last year, uh, paced for basically 40 goals. And, yeah, Sue me for not expecting him to do the same uh, this year. His shooting percentage has regressed, and he is still actually on pace for 40 goals. So that is a promising sign for Brock Nelson. That's come because he has upped his shooting, uh, his his shot rates at five on five and on the power play. Uh, Nelson already has three power play goals over 29 games, uh, which is basically means he's pacing for the same 11 that he was last season. But again, some extra shots are are helping him on his way to this 80 points, which is a better way uh, to these 80 points than the path he was on last year for 70 points. Can Brock Nelson actually get to 80? I'm a little skeptical, Elon. I think 70 points is pretty good. Um, that's still about where I'd have him. But it's been, a, a like we've mentioned, a much more offensive season overall in Long Island this year. And uh, I'm not unhappy to see Brock Nelson doing what he's doing. Yeah. And he's only 69% rostered on Yahoo right now, which to me is just like, I don't know. I don't know what he has to do. That's, I, I just that's think 31% leagues inactive, right? Like there's would, some guys you can just tell, like they, they help you know how many Yahoo leagues have a full set of active managers. Yeah. If you're in a league and Nelson isn't rostered, I'd love for you to tweet at us 
and show us your team. Like, we do get people who tweeted us with, like, I don't know, their team is, like, stacked with so many stars. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I can't think of, I can't see anyone to chop for Brock Nelson. But uh, that would have to be, yeah, a really shallow league. Uh, Brian, uh, as far as the cold streaks go over on the Islanders, it's not no one too, I guess, like, surprising here. Ryan Pulak, who, again, I got him all season except for that one game where he had four assists i dropped him for that game then you know i added him back afterwards and now i've just dropped him today so he'll probably get four assists in his next game so watch out for ryan pulak in his next big game Uh, but aside from that i think we can move on to the arizona coyotes who are playing right now and they're currently tied 3-3 with philadelphia so and like one of their players that was kind of cold was Clayton Keller and actually another one was Nick Schmaltz and we've had some questions in our discord of people wanting us to talk about these guys uh, but looks like at least for today Keller has a couple goals Schmaltz has an assist so who knows maybe things are starting to turn around also a guy I just dropped this always happens this is like a, a standard in fantasy right I had JJ Moser for the last couple of weeks I added him you know he was on a hot streak I added him then he did nothing and now I dropped him today and he has two assists today of course so you know what what are you going to do here? JJ Moser, are we back to be, you know, it was a Clayton Keller's got a power play goal assisted by Moser and Richie. I think if I'm reading frozen tools correctly, I believe JJ Moser has been on the power play, like on the top power play with Richie Schmaltz, Keller and Barrett Hayden. Then it's been Gosses Bear and Chickering on the other power play. That's surprising. So maybe I gave up too early on JJ Moser. We'll find out, I guess, based on the, the power play configurations going forward. I'm surprised. Like, I wouldn't have said you gave up too early on J.J. Moser because I wouldn't have expected him to be ahead of both Gosses Bear and Jacob Shikrin, especially when, like, uh, my guess would be, oh, well, maybe Carolina's playing two units evenly and they want that second unit to be as threatening as the first. No, that first unit with J.J. Moser is seeing 72% share of the team's power play minutes so far tonight. Um so that's a that's a strange development, and it does. But in other games, I think it's been more even. Like I think yeah. maybe today is just a an odd one because like Chikrin and Gossesbear are actually on the hot list on Frozen Tools. Like they've both been really good. Like no points today so far, but before today, yeah, uh, they've both been doing really. And well. Arizona, yeah, I mean, they're de- I think the power play deployment has been closer to equal over the last couple games, but still, there is there seems to be a clear top one, and so it's interesting that today it's Moser on it. Um, did you ask me about another? Oh, no, you just asked me in general, right? Like one thing I wanted to say about the Coyotes is that remember at the start of the season, we mentioned this road trip from hell that they're on. Um, Mm -hmm. the Coyotes have played five games at home, which like isn't even really home, but it's home and 20 games on the road. Uh, their schedule coming up sees them in San Jose on the 13th. So that's Tuesday. And then, they are at home a lot for the next little while. And back at the start of the season, we said mid-December might be a window for you to buy low on Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz and any Arizona Coyote that looked promising but hasn't been because they are basically constantly traveling and probably pretty tired. So I would hope for better days ahead for all the Coyotes. That said, it's hard to tell how much better um, because, you know, I can't really separate out with just a small sample of home games how much of the Coyotes' struggle has been because of this road trip and how much has been because they are just so freaking thin, top to bottom. Like, Clayton Keller hasn't looked great this year. Um, You know, we were asked to talk about him. Yeah, he's 
seen he's not doing the things that I wanted him to keep doing that seemed really promising from last year. Um, but again, how much of that is his fault and how much of it is the schedule? Don't know. We're about to find out. But if you wanted to take a chance, this could be a good moment to try and get in on those Coyotes. Yeah, and Andrea's saying maybe you're, we're too late because Keller has two goals today. But I, I almost wonder if like now is the time to strike. Like, I'm just thinking psychologically, y- if you go to the Keller manager when he's doing nothing, maybe they're like, oh, what, what do you have up your sleeve here? Do you know something I don't? But now if you go, it's like, oh, the person's like, oh, look at you. Look at this dummy. Like he has one good game. And now this person's coming to me and being like, they think that he's good again. Like, fine, take him. Yeah, he's not going to score two goals every game. But Brian's giving a reason why maybe he will be good again now that they get to play some games at home. They're not traveling all the time. So yeah, interesting. It'll be fun to see what happens in Arizona moving forward. Forward. All right, uh, Brian, we've got, I don't know, handful of teams left, like 10, 12 teams to go. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get to them having a blast here talking through all the teams with you. Uh, and hopefully everyone listening, it feels the same. And we'll be continue it in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back, Brian. Next up on the list of teams that Eric Carlson has done well against. We're at the Winnipeg Jets, who he has 20 points in 27 games. Once again, we're going to share this spreadsheet with the patrons so they can see who Carlson has been the best and worst against. But yeah, I guess we're getting to the lower end here. He Maybe Carlson hasn't had too much success against Connor Hellebuck. Um, not many teams have this season. Hellebuck's having a great year. Uh, as far as the frozen tools hot and cold, I'm seeing that Winnipeg has Connor Hellebuck, obviously, on the list. Then we've got Kyle Connor and Josh Morrissey. Man, Josh. Josh Morrissey just keeps going. I know he has another point today. Winnipeg's currently in a game against Washington. Morrissey is up to 31 points in 27 games now. Um, I think we talked about him last week. And like, uh, he just keeps producing. Like at some, at some point, we're just going to have to accept that, that this is him, right? Maybe not like point per game the rest of the way, but at least like 70. Like, I don't know. He's really relished this role as the top power play court. It's, it's wild. It was just a couple of years ago that everyone was all excited about Neil Pionk and what his upside was going to be. And like, he's pretty much disappeared. And it's been all Morrissey ever since. I'm bought in on Josh Morrissey. I think, uh, it, and it's not so much from what I see in his numbers, but what I've what I've read about what he's changed about his game and and the player he wants to grow into. There's been a lot of talk, and of course, it's easy to write that narrative and buy into it when things are going as well as they are. Um, but Morrissey at five on five, like he's probably doing a little better than he should uh, because it, the Jets are shooting almost twelve percent with him on the ice, which has never happened. And I'm not sure that it's sustainable this time around. But the guy where he's really crushing it is on the power play. 11 power play points in 27 games. For reference, his previous career high, 15 power play points for Josh Morrissey. And it took him 79 games to get there. So uh, four more power play points. And he'll have set a career high in that category. How's he doing it? He's doing it by, I honestly, just being there. He's doing uh, like he's getting more, uh, more deployment, a greater share of his team's power play minutes than he has in the past. But, you know, he's not shooting more. He's not doing anything really significant or substantial. I think he's just spending more time on the ice and has done a better job playing his role. I wonder if there is room for him to even have been doing a touch better on the power play uh, than he has already. But uh, it's been a really successful season. Like Josh Morrissey, I think the bottom line here is that he's established himself as a top power play quarterback. Definitely not expecting a 94-point pace, but I'm also not seeing a ton of places where he's going to regress. So he's someone I'm really, you know, I've been cool on Morrissey for a long time. He was supposed to come in and do this from the start of his career. Morrissey's 27 years old now, and he's just getting around to it now, which is great. Uh, and 94 points is too high, but I'm curious to see. I'm open to him sort of setting that new sort of watermark that we can expect for him to get. And I wouldn't be so surprised to see it fall around. I don't know, Elon. I don't know if you're going to tell me if this is too low or high, but I'm going to say 60 points. 
Yeah, I'd say higher. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely at least that, I think. So I think we're in agreement. He's, he's looking really good. And on the flip side, Neil Pionk, actually, I should mention, because he's actually on the list of cold players here. And he started the year pretty good. Like it was looking like he was going to have a bit of a bounce back, but he's totally fallen off. Only two points in his last 12 games. So I'd imagine in deeper leagues, and oh, by the way, no hits lately. Like he used to at least be good for those peripherals, but he's barely hitting. He's getting you some blocks at least. But yeah, in your deeper leagues, oh, also no shots lately. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm, I can't get the words out because I keep seeing more things that are disappointing about Neil Pionk but Brian uh looks like a snoozer here if anyone has him and not like the deepest of leagues yeah easy in, unless his you know couple blocks a night are helping you Neil Pionk isn't shooting he's not scoring he's not seeing substantial power play time uh you can forget him he's basically on pace to do what he did last season where he had 34 points in 77 games Nothing really looks different. And it is unfortunate, Elon, that, yeah, that early promise has dissipated. But I think this is who Neil Pionk is now, especially without top power play deployment, 35 points, maybe a couple shots, but not providing value anywhere else. Yeah. Okay. So next up, we're going to the Chicago Blackhawks, who are going to get some reinforcements. Apparently, Petr Morazic's going to be back on Tuesday. I really thought when he got injured, like, okay, forget him for like a month or two. So good for him that he's actually going to be healthy. I guess we'll actually see if he gets into this game on Tuesday. But yeah, I, I thought Soderblom was just going to get a run of starts with with uh, Morazic hurt. But it looks like he he's back. So that's good. As far as players who are hot on Chicago, according to Frozen Tools, none. They just say none. So I guess that makes our job easy as far as cold players go. Max Domi's on the list. He's someone who was hot at one point, but I guess the whole team has just kind of cooled off a little bit over these last three games. Uh, so yeah, there's just no one interesting on Chicago right now. We're still waiting to see if Patrick Kane gets traded at some point. Yeah, Chicago has uh, been shut out by a combined score of 9-1 to one over their last three games. That'll douse any kind of excitement you might have had for any of those guys, including Max Domi, who, uh, you know, maybe we saw we saw some sunlight there. Maybe there's a way that Max Domi can continue to produce. He's still on the top power play as of the most recent game. Taylor Radish is also there, too, with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. But Patrick Kane is the only one I'm really interested in rostering. I was actually looking at adding a Chicago player for next week because they play four times twice uh, on Friday and Sunday. So some good off night schedules later in the week. And I was just like, nope, I'm just going to move right past these guys. No one is that enticing. But remember that they've only scored one goal in their last three games, which won't continue. The goals will start coming, at which point maybe the points will start too. Like Max Domi was on a really good run up until these three scoreless or essentially scoreless games from uh, Chicago. So there's still a chance. I wouldn't get so down on these guys. If you were into Domi three day, three games ago, still stay into him and keep an eye on how he's doing, especially when those Friday, Sunday games pop up. Yeah, I'm going to predict two points in those four games for Max Domi. So. Sounds about right. Yeah, I don't think he's going to go scoreless forever, but I don't think he's going to explode. All right, so next up, we'll go to uh, the Anaheim Ducks here, who Eric Carlson wasn't able to score enough points against to win that cup that year. Wait, was, was Carlson on the team back then when the Sense made it? Oh, I guess maybe no. that's too early. Okay, <laughs> well, it would have been nice if he was there. Maybe then they would have been able to get past Anaheim. What was that, 2006? But anyway. Seven. Uh, 2007, my, my bad. I'm really uh, exposing myself as not the biggest Sense fan in the world. I'm sorry. I thought I was. At the time, I was. I would have remembered that for many years. But anyways, on Anaheim here, who's hot? Who's not hot? Cam Fowler. That's the only player listed. 
Very impressive. He's kind of like a Josh Morrissey, but, you know, a couple years. Well, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, reminds me of Josh Morrissey because he's someone who, like, was in a good spot for a little while and we thought maybe he was going to be something that he wasn't for a while. And all of a sudden he is. And Cam Fowler has been, like, for a really long time. And we already talked about him on the last show. We were trying to remember uh, another power play defenseman on Anaheim before Cam Fowler. And I think it was ended up being Lubavor Viznovsky. Was it someone re- reached out and suggested Lubomir. that he was the- Yeah, Lubomir Viznovsky. <laughs> Anyways, Fowler's still producing. So he's got 14 points his last 13 now, an assist in each of his last couple games. Klingberg is back. And, you know, Fowler was still on the top power play. Anaheim plays four games next week. If he's still out there in free agency, go get him. Like, they play Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, right? So get him for Monday, Tuesday if you have room. You're not going to be too disappointed. So... He's hot. He's the only hot player right now, according to the Frozen Tools. Yeah, with four points in his last six, which is good from a defenseman. He's not shooting a 10, but he is still on that top power play. And boy, is that telling that Fowler is still up on that top unit, even with Klingberg back. That is an experiment that went very poorly for both teams, right? Like John Klingberg looking to say, okay, where can I bet on myself? Take a good contract this year so I can take uh, a several multi-year good contract after this. And you wonder if that ship has sailed for Klingberg and how soon the uh, the Ducks want to move on from him. So way to go, Cam Fowler, for holding down that top powerless spot. It hasn't taken much. It's three power play points in his last 10 games, um, about six in his last 14 since he's taken over on that top unit. But that is, again, miles better than what John Klingberg was doing. Yeah, I think Klingberg, I mean, for the Ducks, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, they took a one year, they're not planning to win this year. They were hoping they could, like, sign him and then trade him at the deadline and get a pick. Maybe they still will get a pick. Maybe it just won't be as good of a pick as they were hoping they would get. But unless they, I don't know, I mean, to me, like, $7 million is a lot of money. Maybe to them, it was like, whatever. They'll spend $7 million. They were going to spend it on someone anyways. So it's, yeah, but for Klingberg, yeah, things are really not looking like he's going to get that huge contract. Maybe he'll have to take another one year contract next year he'll be a fun guy to see what happens with him okay next up is the washington capitals who carlson has 21 points in 29 games in his career over in washington the hot players are evgeny kuznetsov is showing up on the list finally right he has had such a disappointing start to the year it was looking like this year was going to be a super bust he was even off the top power play for a while but lately he's got six points in his last five games maybe more interestingly like four of those points are from the power play and i'm seeing he's been back on pp1 which is very good news for him because that was like how could someone be such a big star last year and then not even get a shot on the top power play the the problem potentially is that nicholas backstrom is apparently skating and so is tom wilson though i would i would think that kuznetsov should be ahead of those guys and still hold that top power play spot but at the end of the day i guess it's still also a little disappointing that he's not been centering ovechkin it's been dylan strom that's been centering ovechkin kuznetsov has been playing with tj oshi which is pretty good and i don't know who else connor sherry sunny milano Sonny Milano. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And playing with TJ Oshie, I'd say like pretty good seems on like the high side of describing playing with TJ Oshie. I see. Okay. So Kuznetsov then moving forward. Do you think like now's a good time to sell? Like, are we still a bit worried about him? And now like that he's on this hot streak, you're saying that if he's playing at even strength with not even people that are that good, then maybe this isn't going to last? Yeah, I mean, you got to like Kuznetsov so long as he's playing on the top power play unit with Ovechkin. Like, that's a good enough spot to be interested in keeping him. But if you're expecting him to repeat last season's 80-point pace away from Ovechkin at 5-on-5, I wouldn't expect that to happen. And Dylan Strom, you know, I don't think he's even been that great, uh, you know, or like he's been putting up okay points he's got six points or uh, seven points in his last 10 games which is pretty decent but uh, it's it's enough to not have to move on from 
right? If that's working out for Dylan Strom um, with Ovechkin, then Washington doesn't need to load Kuznetsov up onto that top line because you have to figure this is their best way to spread out the offense on a team that is not terribly deep. So I, I don't know that Kuznetsov gets back on the top line with Ovechkin, but of course, if Backstrom comes back in whatever shape he's in, uh, we'll have to see how that impacts. It's been so long since we've seen a competent Nicholas Backstrom that I, I, I don't know if I can really get into trying to predict exactly where he's going to land on the roster. Yeah, I fear it's going to be maybe a Jonathan Taves situation where he you know, will be there and will do something every once in a while, but might not be what he, he once was, unfortunately. Washington, by the way, is playing right now against Winnipeg, and they're up 4-2. to two. And once again, Charlie Lindgren in the net, once again, having a really good game. So, Brian, I think you already brought that up in part one. But yeah, I wonder if that's going to lead to a bit of a competition now with Darcy Kemper. If Darcy Kemper, obviously, he'll come back, he'll get a game once he's healthy, and apparently he's been skating already with the team. But if Kemper lays an egg... I, you know, Caps are, aren't a guaranteed team to make the playoffs. It's really tough in the East, so they're going to probably go back to the goalie who's helping them. So definitely a situation to watch. And I definitely regret a little bit last week. Brian, you were like being kind to us, being like, yeah, and last week we mentioned uh, Charlie Lindgren and talked about how he he's going to get opportunity. I feel like we spent most of our time talking about Hunter Shepard, and I was like excited about him getting an opportunity. Uh, he hasn't played, unfortunately. Too much Hunter Shepard talk, for sure. <laughs> Uh, okay, Ottawa Senators are next, so not that many games, uh, but seven games against the Sens, and Carlson has five assists, still hasn't scored against the Sens. That, that'll be a fun prop bet if you can make it. Like, is Eric Carlson ever going to score a goal against the Ottawa Senators? We'll have to wait. And see. What, what's your pick, Brian? Do you think he will, or do you think not so much? It depends on where he plays beyond San Jose. Oh, you think he's going to get moved? I think it's definitely That's possible. I, I don't see why they'd want to stay invested in his contract while they're probably heading into a rebuild they don't have a competitive team yeah though i feel like like a good a good guy to kickstart the rebuild i feel like brian and i say this every year so you're probably just gonna roll your eyes at me here i feel like san jose next year could be good because they've got with capo kakinen well, no, not with him. But if they get a good goalie. Uh, but they have, you know, they have like these good players in the minors, right? Like they have William Eklund. They have Bordelo. Like they specifically had players who I was surprised they didn't even make the team this year. But clearly they had it in their head that like, we're going to give it one more year. We're going to give these guys a full season in the AHL to get experience. And I feel like that's like the San Jose like hasn't had too much trouble scoring goals. And now they're going to bring in like these guys. And I think there's some other prospects. Get John Reed on here and he'll tell you about all the exciting prospects in the San Jose pipeline. But clearly those who Gushin is another one. I don't know that's on my fine dynasty team. So I know about him. But uh, I think San Jose could be good maybe in not a short time. And they did also like sign Tomas Hurdle to that long contract, right? So they are they kind of invested. In Which was presence. kind of like a... Yeah, I mean, I think they were at a crossroads and they weren't sure what to do. So like, okay, we'll lock up our best guys long term. And then I wish I could buy stock in the Sharks right now. I feel like they're a team that now is low and I'll bet you a year from now, they're going to be better. Like maybe contending for the playoffs next year. If they keep Eric Carlson. Good young it, pieces there. They they and, need a goalie. Yeah, they need a goalie. Well, they have a, they, what was his name? Not they need Antony some defense. Emmy. Not e- Antony Emmy, but Ito the Makaniemi. Makaniemi. <laughs> They have Strauss Mann. I don't know. We'll see if they sign a free agent. They have Reimer still. Reimer's been decent. I don't know. Yeah, they need a goalie. They could use another defenseman also. But those are gettable. That's what free agency's for. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, we were on Ottawa. I didn't even get to Ottawa yet. Who's hot on Ottawa? It's like the guys that you'd expect. Drake Batherson, Thomas Shabbat, Brady Kachuk. No, I'm so going to stop you there. I don't think Please. a lot of people would have expected Thomas Shabbat to be hot. Like he, that's true. He has had a, a tough go of it this season. Uh, he basically had a, a, some production early in the season but then was quiet for a while. And also, uh, Shabbat is someone who has not really been so productive despite being on a 
Power Play One unit for several years. We've we've mentioned this on the show before. That's always kind of like a tease that he's up there, but he never really cashes in on it. But now uh, Shabbat's on a bit of a tear here. Nine points in his last eight games. And he's also shooting the puck more than we're used to seeing from him. Uh, he's put up uh, 15 shots in his last four games. Uh, he's super engaged. He has three goals in his last four games with all those shots. So that's helping. And that's one of the reasons why he's so hot right now, because he is scoring on a few more shots than he should. But two of those goals came on the power play. So there is uh, there's hope. For Thomas Shabbat, he's now basically up to where we'd expect him to be, which is a a mid-50 point pace. And I I think there was a lot of concern that he wasn't even going to make it there because of the way Ottawa was going to split their power plays. But so far, um, what he's doing lately is enough to, I think, uh, rebuild our faith that Thomas Shabbat is going to be sort of that steady, not off the charts kind of guy, but he'll be a steady enough player that is going to make you happy that you have him on your roster, even if he's not blowing the doors off. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's nice. And uh, definitely anyone who like traded for Shabbat while he was injured, while he was in a cold streak, now are like reaping the rewards there. Okay, next up is the Philadelphia Flyers who are playing today. They're currently losing 4-3 to uh, Arizona with six minutes left. So we'll see how they do. Uh, as far as the hot and colds go for Philly, Tony D'Angelo is listed in the hot section, which is interesting because he was healthy scratched for a game last week. But then I think there was some news that came out that Tortorella said that he was like healthy scratched, quote unquote, but like kind of banged up and he wanted to give him a bit of a rest. Oh, that's so interesting. Like, I saw a tweet today that like he's not playing tonight but because of a family matter right so it was like earlier in the week <laughs> i was gonna get to that yeah earlier in the week it was the banged up healthy scratch and now tonight he's the family matter healthy scratch uh but anyways when he has played he has four points in his last four games but we'll wait and see if uh you know he comes back soon hopefully everything's okay with d'angelo's family um but overall you know kind of a disappointing season but i don't know i i, I expected more i wonder if maybe things could get better they've gotten a reinforcement back in JVR. Remember when JVR was like really good and a player that we cared about? That was like he, a while been, ago now. <laughs> he's been injured for a while, but so he's back. He's playing on like, you know, top six, like playing with Tippett and Morgan Frost and he's on the top power play. He's probably available in a lot of leagues. No points. Oh no, he has, oh wait, he's having a huge game today. He has a goal and two assists against Arizona. So I don't know if you're in a super deep league, he's probably out there and it's hard to find top six, top power play guys. But yeah, it has, like you said, Brian, it's been a while since he's been like consistently really good. So only for your deepest of leagues, are you kind of interested in, in James and Reebsack? Maybe he turned out to be great with John Tortorella. Last year was really disappointing for James Van Reebsack, 38 points over 82 games. The year before that, like he's been sort of up and down, bouncing between a 50 and 60 point player for a little while and never really getting full run of deployment in any one place. Like he, he seemed to bounce from top line to bottom six, top power play to second unit. And so we'll see. I'm curious. We've only seen so much of him so far this year. He was barely shooting in the games that he did play. So that wasn't encouraging. His minutes were also down under Tortorella, but I'd like to see uh, another few games now that Van Rijnsdijk is back to see exactly where Tortorella places him on the roster. Not even to say that top six is that like, it's still not the best place to be in top six in Philly, maybe like a mid six somewhere else, or even the top power play isn't that great. But you still have an extra guy on the ice. And if James Van Rijnsdijk is one of those guys, there is potential for him to be a, a decent stream. And then we'll see if he, we can upgrade his status from there. 
Next up, we go to the Vancouver Canucks, who Carlson has 16 points in 25 games in his career. And the Canucks have, you know, typical guys as your hot streaks. Nothing too interesting here. Pedersen, Horvat, Quinn Hughes. I think the most interesting thing going on in Vancouver right now is in the middle of their last game, the lines got shaken up and Boudreaux put back the lotto line. Pedersen, Besser, and JT Miller were back together, which was, I guess, not great news for Ilya Mikhaev, who had been scoring a couple goals from the from that spot playing with Pedersen. Artie Kuzmenko also had been scoring goals playing with Pedersen, but now, you know, at least for that stretch in the last game, they switched it up, but who knows? They didn't win. Like, maybe now Vancouver will go back. Yeah, they didn't win. They didn't score. Uh, and it was like a desperation move. I think I saw someone mention that that was the first time under Bruce Boudreaux, the lotto line had been put together. Also, Boudreaux so mad with his team. He was asked why he didn't pull the goalie. Like, they were down three. Sometimes you can be aggressive and do that goalie pull with three or four minutes left. See if you can get back in the game. His answer was... I didn't believe we would score a goal, so I didn't pull the goalie. Can you imagine? Yikes. Every year. Every year this happens in Vancouver. What's going on? What's in the water? It seems like a team that should be happier than they are. Yeah. I mean, they made a really big mistake getting Oliver Ekman Larson in that in that trade. They they thought that they were going for like a win now and they were really wrong about it. Which they was could still, have had it was yeah. still even the wrong win now move to get Oliver Ekman Larson in a trade. Yeah, it was like Larson and they got like a Connor Garland and like whatever. Yeah. And they and they dumped some contracts for like that one year. But they gave up like Dylan Genther. Anyways, it was a big mistake. And, like, well, and, you, like, <laughs> and you could have finished that sentence in any number of ways. They made a really big mistake in like there were like five different ways you could have finished that sentence and maybe the most prominent one lately not for fantasy managers but jt miller does not seem like somebody you want to be building a franchise with like now we can see why this guy's been so talented but never had an opportunity until getting to vancouver where he's basically trying to play himself out of the city now so uh great that he's still chugging along for the most part for his fantasy managers but it's a weird situation in vancouver and i don't i don't like i don't like having too many stocks in it yeah uh, I have Besser in one league, so I was happy to see him playing with Pedersen. But uh, yeah, they still need to actually score <laughs> once they are together. So we'll have to see the lines for the next game. We should probably mention, I mean, we were talking about all those backup goalies, Hunter Shepard, last time. We, Spencer Martin took up a bunch of our, our time. He has been eh, right? Yeah. He hasn't been very good. But he'll still be the starter for a while. I don't yeah. really believe in Colin Delia for whatever it's worth. Yeah, me neither. All right, either. next up, yeah. Okay, next up, we are going to the Carolina Hurricanes, who are much better than the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the hot players here, Brent Burns, Sebastian Ajo, and Jordan Martinook. So we covered Martinook before. We don't really think that's going to last. Sebastian Ajo, unfortunately, has been injured, which has led to Jordan Stahl. Another stall, two stall mentions on this show. And Jordan Stahl has been on the top line, and I believe he scored a goal in the last game. Oh, wait, that's not even true. I don't know. I thought at some point I saw that Jordan Stahl was on the top line, but now I'm seeing the lines in the last game where Svechnikov with Nechas and Stasny and then Tara Vinen with Kakaniemi and Seth Jarvis. So I don't know. Anyways, hopefully Aho will just be back soon and we won't have to worry about those lines. Uh, Tara Vinen, by the way, got an assist. At first, it didn't look like he did. And then I guess after the game, the NHL added one. So nice to see Tara Vinen get off the schneid. Maybe Aho being gone and Tara Vinen getting more power play time might be the start of him getting back to how he used to be. That's something I'm watching. Also, another big storyline in Carolina is that Frederick Anderson apparently has been skating and could be back soon, but Kachikov just got a shutout. Like, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what Carolina is going to do with their goaltending situation. I just feel like Kachikov has been so good. Like, can you really send this guy down? But at the same time, you've got Rantan Anderson, so you're not really going to wave one of them. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to be watching and, and very interested because Kachikov just seems like a really good goalie. 
I mean, you know how much I love Auntie Ranta, but I don't know. Why Why do you wave Auntie Ranta? Why don't you wave, sorry, Auntie Ranta? Yeah, I guess it's the kind of thing where he's on a cheap contract. Like, he'll definitely get claimed by someone. And then imagine if Frederick Anderson gets injured again. All of a sudden, Carolina, you know, maybe, like, they're, they're just going to assume, like, we're good enough that we're just going to, you know, send Kachikov back to the minors anyways yeah. and tell him. Kind of like last year, I guess, with Dallas, right? And they sent their stud young goalie down for a little bit. And then eventually they brought him back, and now he's the starter. So Yeah, um, and Kachikov, for his part, has been playing really well. He's been playing, you know, I was saying Samsonov, Murray, Shalgren, all doing really well. Kachikov is in that same neighborhood of playing really, really well. So these are goalies who are on very good defensive teams with a lot of run support, and they are still playing better than you might have otherwise expected them to. So Kachikov holding, like, making a, making a case to stay up. And he's also young. Like, he's uh, he's 23 years old. He turns 24 in June. So, like, this is still very early in Kachikov's career. So maybe development is probably the better path in holding Ranta and Anderson, assuming both are healthy, um, so that Kachikov maybe will see him again later. But for now, I think enjoy these starts while they're happening. Yeah, and like Carolina's so good. They're, they're going to be fine either way. Uh, by the way, uh, one hot streak I'll just bring up here, Brady Shea has points in three straight. He's got like five, four, three, three, three shots. Like he's shooting a lot. He did this last year also, and it was a yeah. really good stretch. And Carolina has four games next week. So I'm not saying this is going to be a whole season hold or anything, but I'd be looking closely at Brady Shea if I needed D. Like if I, you know, especially look at your busy day schedules, like I said again next week, if, if on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you have like open D spots, but then forwards on your bench, Take a look at Brady Shea, especially for Lee Kent's shots. He's, do, he's doing some stuff lately. He had a lot of power play time in the last game for the first time, like, all season. I don't know what that was about, but interesting. Just something that's interesting to me. I don't have, Brian, anything to say about Brady Shea? No, you probably want me to move no, on. No, it's, it's the same as always with Brady Shea. Oh, look, he's, like, he's a great guy to have whenever he randomly starts shooting and pointing. And then you drop him. And that's how things go with Brady Shea. Yeah. And again, like Aho is out. So probably that was part of the reason like power play is getting shaken up and all of that. Okay. Next up, we've got the St. Louis Blues, who Carlson has 15 points in 25 games against. As far as the hots and colds go, Buchnevich, Thomas, Tarasenko, you know, guys we've definitely talked a lot about on the show. Colds, we've got Binnington, and we've talked about him a lot. And then Tori Krug had to join the cold list. He today didn't get a point. Once again, he's now pointless in three. Uh, he did take six shots today against Colorado in the loss. So that's something. Obviously, like, Tory Krug's super big disappointment based on, like, if you drafted him thinking he was going to be, like, at least like a at least like a 50-point defenseman. He's not even a 40-point defenseman so far. I think he'll probably end up around 45. But, yeah, big disappointment for sure in Tory Krug. But I do like seeing the six shots today. Would have been nice if one went in. It would have been really nice for one to go in. Like, this is the Tory Krug that we haven't seen show up in St. Louis. Um, the guy who was able to take a lot of shots, especially on the power play in Boston. Uh, in St. Louis, I mean, we've been through this. A lot of things have just constantly gone wrong slash just not clicked for Tory Krug as a member of the St. Louis Blues. This just doesn't seem to be a fit. I don't know that it ever will be, um, but it is really nice to see a, a big shot game from the guy who has, he has five power play points in 25 games, which is, um, it's okay. It's just not great. Like, he used to yeah. get 30 power play points in a season with Boston. And without that, his 5-on-5 five five production isn't strong enough to bring him up to the value he used to have. So, Elon, I'll take the over still on 45 points. Like, I think Tory Crew can still do better than he's done so far. But I would prefer someone like Josh Morrissey to him for sure, which you're going to roll. Roy, oh, yeah, obviously. No no doubt. I would still prefer Tory Crew. How about this? To J.J. Moser. 
Yeah, uh, I'll agree. With I mean, I had both. I have both on my team, or I have Tori Krug and I had Moser, and I did drop Moser. If I dropped Krug, I'd have a better chance of winning my matchup today because Moser's having a good game. But I'm, I'm not going to regret that too much. Uh, another guy, quickly, I'll mention who was a big winner for Dave last week on Stream Scheme. Josh Levo has been playing on the top line with Shen and Ryan O'Reilly, and he was on a nice little run. He scored goals in two straight games. No points today. I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to like ask you to d- dive into him, but if you need a, a streamer, uh, you know, for Monday, let's say, like St. Louis does play tomorrow, Josh Levo is probably available in your league and he's in a good spot right now. Uh, let's go next to the Vegas Golden Knights who are currently playing against Boston. It's one-to-one. I said in the last show that I could really use Vegas to win. Uh, and right now it's still 1-1. So both goalies are doing really well. My opponent has Allmark and I have Thompson. And like, come on, Logan, like get this for me. But um, what's going on? So there's a lot of injuries right now in Vegas, right? Like Petrangelo's hurt or Petrangelo's like attending to a family matter. And then Shay Theodore is hurt. Apparently it's not like long-term, but at least for today, I guess who's that leaving on the top power play? It must be... It's Ben Hutton, if you weren't able to guess. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry if I didn't give anybody uh, enough chance to guess you also know who's playing on the top power play um in with eichel out right because there's a there's a nice big forward spot available there too playing alongside mark stone and chandler stevenson welcome back paul cotter <laughs> look at that ben Hudson nice and paul cotter top power play uh yeah paul cotter's a rookie he had like a cup of coffee Last season, he's from Canton, Michigan, uh, drafted in the fourth round back in 2018 with Henderson last season. Like, he's not even been a great scorer in the AHL. 34 points in 59 games. Uh, I guess Vegas saw that he was a, a good enough player to be with them most nights this year as he's been. This is his 20th game of the season. But I'm not uh, I'm not sure why he is the, like, the next best choice here to be on the top power play unit. I guess they don't want to break up. The second unit, like Kessel, Smith, Carlson, Nicholas Roy, keep them together. Let's bring Paul yeah, Cotter I mean, up. Maybe it makes sense. Like, why mess mess things up? If Eichel's only going to be gone for a game or two, then why not just, like, kind of leave things consistent? It's been working pretty well. Like, you know. Uh, but, yeah, Shea, Shea Theodore, by the way, was so hot before he got injured. Ben and Lewis talked about it on short shifts this week where he's really stepped up with Petrangelo out of the lineup. He's got a leg injury. He's going further evaluation. So I'm saying that I thought I saw something that said he's going to get back soon. Um, I don't know that. <laughs> like, don't, don't, you know, don't quote me on that. But hopefully, for his sake and for all of his fantasy managers, hopefully he'll be able to get back soon because, yeah, that's a, a big hole. Like, I don't want to start going and recommending Ben Hutton to people because I'm just going to hope that <laughs> that Theodore comes back. Otherwise, if it's still not the case, then I guess you could take a look at Ben Hutton. I would. Um, if Eichel's healthy, I mean, that power play is still going to score. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking at Ben Hutton as a short term okay. stream. The same way I added Justin Schultz when it looked like he was going to be at least the power play quarterback in the short term and then he instantly went back to being the second power play guy um i would still be into ben hutton the same way uh patty also in the chat is saying that uh she's been watching the vegas game and she likes what she's seen from paul cotter okay he has caught her eye and shams is letting us know that the coach said he was not concerned about the shea theater injury but they're still looking at him. So what does the coach know? <laughs> so I guess we'll find out. Uh, okay, so speaking of this other side of this game, the Boston Bruins are actually next on the list here. Who's hot? Linus Allmark. We, covered. We've definitely covered that. David Pasternak. We've definitely covered that. Taylor Hall, though, is interesting because he's not even getting great deployment. We called him a snoozer or close to it at some point. So, of course, he had to start going off. Though now he has no points in his last couple games, including today, which isn't over yet. But he has like four shots today at five shots in the last games. I don't know. All of a sudden, Taylor Hall is coming on. Before that, he was scoring goals. He had five goals in a stretch of four games. 
is he like a like a Kevin Fiala? Like he needs to go down to the third line in order to be productive? Is that what this is? This, is that how this works? I'm just shaking my head. Like I really, truly don't know. I mean, a big part of Taylor Hall's production lately, like on the run he was on, he had five goals over four games, and those came on 14 shots. So he scored on one of every three shots he took. But he still took 14 shots over four games, which is not something Taylor Hall has been doing all season long. And we talked about maybe the reasons why earlier in the year was that he was deferring to David Pasternak, but he is back with Pasternak now and shooting. So I'm not sure exactly. Like, I I don't know what to make of Taylor Hall's just like consistent inconsistency. I love that he's shooting again. If he's been dropped... I'm going to see if I can pick him up at a free agency. He's averaging four shots per game now over his last several. So if he keeps doing that, the goals are going to start going in. He's back with Pasternak. Remember, we saw a 70-point Taylor Hall last season when he was playing with David Pasternak. So the potential is there. I just don't know why he didn't realize it earlier in the season. And if anything, has substantially changed now. This This guy's become an enigma. Yeah, he and like Tyler Sagan are the two people to me that it's just like, are they good now? Are they not good now? I I seem to change my mind like every single week. Uh, Okay, we're going to the Rangers next. You are not going to be surprised. Brian, do you already have it in front of you or do you want to try to guess the hot players on the Rangers? I don't have it in front of me. I think you'll be able to guess it. I think you'll guess three and three. I think you can do this. Like all the hot and all the cold? Well, you could guess the the three hot. I'm saying in three guesses, I'll bet you can guess the three hot. Okay, Capo Caco. Oh, okay. Well, why do you? I'm, t- I'm telling you, it's obvious. It's the best players on the team. <laughs> well, I'm, like, but like, this is like relative production, right? And he I had know, a goal. I th- so okay, I, no. I, I thought. All right. Do you okay. Want to try again, Kreider, Zabanejad, Panarin. Yeah. Okay. Not Kreider. It's just Jorkin instead of Kreider. But aside oh, okay. from that, yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, the the studs are studding. And uh, an interesting thing, though, on the Rangers is the Capococos of the world are getting chances to play with the studs because yeah. they've been playing a line of Zabanajad with Kako and Lafreniere, which is just like huge and great news for Kako and Lafreniere because Zabanajad is clearly an actual stud. And on the top power play, it's just been the same as usual. Zabanajad, Kreider, Trocek, Panarin, and Adam Fox. Um, but anyway... You know, when they're not on the top power play, you can't get too, too excited. Like, yeah, I like that Kako and Lafreniere are playing with Zabanajad, and that's leaving, by the way, Trocek to play with Kreider and VC, and then Panarin with Hedl and Goodrow. So they're trying so to go weird. for three lines. Yeah. I don't know how long this is going to last. I like it's you, theoretically it's like good news for Hedl. Like Panarin's like one of the hottest guys in the league right now. So I'd want to get his centerman, but am I really going to, you know, recommend him on the podcast when it could change at any time? I don't know. So like for your deeper leagues, there's a lot of interesting players, but I don't know like who to recommend, but watch those Rangers lines and probably one of them is going to get a point if they're playing with all these studs. Yeah. The recommendation is to watch the Rangers lines, but also know that they're not like we've seen Kako and Lafreniere play with great lines at five on five and not do anything. And Kako, so frustrating. Like he has uh, zero or one shots on goal in his last six games, four shots in his last six games, never more than one. He scored on one of them. He's got an opportunity playing with Zibanejad and Lafreniere, but Elon, I don't know. It's starting to feel like to me, like this is just going to be another year where Lafreniere and Kako don't break out. And meanwhile, like, I don't know if Hedl's going to, going to get relevant before they do although he's got a bit of a hill to climb still too but watch these lines see who's playing with who but really i unless you're playing with two of Kreider, zubanejad panarin and trojak then i'm a little I, i'm not sure i'm really getting that interested and even then jimmy vc 
is right now playing with Trojek and Kreider, and he's not doing anything either. So I just don't know if anyone is allowed to score outside of these core four in New York. Yeah, everyone else is clearly a streamer and not going to be a season-long hold this year, unfortunately. Maybe next year. I don't know. Probably not <laughs> the way things are going. Uh, okay, we've got on Nashville, another couple obvious ones. Okay, Brian, guess the two hot Nashville players. Forsberg and Duchesne. Okay, not Duchesne. Yosi. Who, who's Yosi, yeah. Forsberg and Roman Yosi are hot. So Roman Yosi has got 14 points in his last 12. If you recall, he had kind of a slow start to the year. Only one assist in his first, I think, seven games I'm seeing. Uh, so if anyone was able to buy low on him, that would have been huge. Because now, like I said, he's over a point per game since then. He's already up to 21 points in 25 games on the year. And it's going up and up and up. So uh, he's, he's very good. And... I don't think we doubted him, Brian. I'll have to go back and listen to the old episodes, but I'm pretty sure we were saying Yosi will be fine. Maybe I was saying, because he does have a pattern. Like, if you look at his past few seasons, it's like from 2018-19 and moving forward, his point paces were 56, 77, 56, 98. And then this year he started slow. So maybe I was saying, like, maybe he'll be closer to the 56. Right now he's pacing for 70. Probably somewhere in the middle, right? Maybe not as low as 56, not as high as 98. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up around the 70-point pace that he's on right now, right? Right, exactly. I think we Yosi has earned the benefit of the doubt. I, I think we can pretty much rely on this guy to keep doing what he's doing. I don't see any kind of markers to suggest that he's about to fall off. Yeah. Did you see, by the way, Ellie Tolvanen got waived today. So I wonder if anyone's going to claim him. What a fall from grace Did. for him. Well, it's, you used to call I, him the savior of the power play. And he was, briefly. I wasn't the only one. Ca- I didn't make that up. It wasn't just me. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't know if it's a fall from grace for him. Or just a fall from grace in Nashville. I, I think uh, from all accounts, like I looked into him a bit since he was put on waivers, and he seems like a perfectly serviceable NHLer with top six upside who is not a defensive liability and has some scoring potential. Decent finisher, decent setter. I use hockeyviz.com a lot, and those are the terms uh, that Mika Blake McCurdy uses over there. Um, so I think a team could be very fortunate to have him, but we've seen a lot, like guys with these sorts of pedigrees uh, who don't click with their original team end up moving somewhere else and we get excited and we don't see anything. So I'm, I'm not holding my breath for Tolvanen, but it would be great for him to get a fresh start with a team that could actually use him and we'll see where he lands. He could be honestly even worth a waiver claim as someone, maybe you build him up for like three months and then you sell him for a second rounder. Sure. Anyways, in fantasy, he's great for hits. So if he lands somewhere where he's going to get a decent opportunity, you might want to grab him in your categories leagues at the very least to get those hits. Uh, remember that guy, Yuso Parsonen, who we were excited about when he got called yeah. up and then he was uh, getting top line, top power play and getting points. He's on the cold list now. No points in seven games. So I guess uh, he's lost that deployment. Clearly, everyone knows that already. I'm going to throw one more Nashville name out there, and that's Matt Duchesne, who I was looking at including in a trade package that I was putting together in the Cupful. And... Um, I'm like, no, I would be selling low on this guy. In fact, if I didn't have Matt Duchesne, I would be looking to buy high. And I'll give you just two reasons why. The first is that he's shooting just two and a half percent at five on five. He's never been a big five on five shooter. Last year, he shot 15%, which I think was uh, was maybe over his head. But he usually has shot at least close to 10%. So... Uh, the fact that Matt Duchesne has just six goals in 25 games after scoring 43 last year, I think that's, uh, I think there's room for him to grow. Maybe not all the way back to that 43 goal pace for the rest of the season, but there's room for Matt Duchesne to have, I, I, honestly, at least 12 goals by now. Uh, and then on the power play, he's pacing for just 16 
power play points. And last year, Matt Duchesne had 29 power play points. So I think there's room uh, for regression to help Matt Duchesne there too. There's been some slow periods for him this season. Uh, He has been picking it up a little bit more as of late. And I would be uh, looking to see if you can, right now he's pacing for 70 points. If you can, uh, if you can pick him up, I think I, I think I might consider that. Okay. Well, you've always been a big fan of Matt Duchesne. Yeah. So, and now the underlying stats are bearing that out. Uh, to finish off, we're going to Seattle, who Carlson's played now three times, only one assist. So that's like this year or last year. Give him a couple games, he'll get through it. Especially, I would say, especially if Martin Jones plays. Though Martin Jones actually did have that good game today to ruin my whole narrative. He, it, the game ended 5-2 win for Seattle over Florida, and Jones stopped 23 of 25. So I still think that he's not going to get back to how he was doing before, but clearly goalies are extremely unpredictable. Uh, Frozen Tools is showing nobody hot currently in Seattle, but that's maybe doing a disservice to like your Andre Burakovsky. He had a goal and assist today to stay over a point per game. You know, Matty Beneers scored today. So he's now up to 23 points in 27 games. Oh, he also had an assist. But I guess, yeah, he was cold for three games before that. Before that, he was hot. So I don't know. No one really interesting here that we haven't talked about already uh, in recent episodes. On the cold streaks, uh, Jaden Schwartz, yeah, he's fallen off. He's probably in free agency in a lot of leagues and then justin justin schultz and vince dunn there's like no defenseman this is like a team like we were talking about kalen addison or like in columbus like those are probably the three teams where they have the least interesting top power play quarterbacks just none of them getting any points so but if you had to pick one i don't know justin schultz or vince dunn or just nothing i don't know i would take <laughs> or, or vince kalen dunn. Addison. <laughs> i would take i would take vince dunn because he's on the top power play unit and unlike kalen addison he's also not being healthy scratched although i think addison got a goal in his return from the healthy scratch uh, at least vince dunn like for a defenseman six shots over his last two games pretty good and he did come back to the top unit after disappearing from it i think uh i would rather him but this is not a a big endorsement for vince dunn either like i'm not uh i'm not wishing i had vince dunn on my team if i don't already okay and brian a uh, quick update on the arizona philly game which just ended clayton keller another goal nick schmaltz an assist so that makes it a hat trick for clayton keller i believe which means probably it's going to get harder to buy on him it's too bad that we weren't able to release this episode yesterday so you could have given that advice before he scored the hat trick for people who know he only scored two goals today before brian said i'm sure brian prepped that even before he saw how today's game went uh jacob chick the other uh assist there and that brian does it for us we're done the episode. We've covered every single team. It took us a little longer than expected, but I think it was worth it. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback, right? Let us know what you thought of this show of, of both parts. Uh, so, if, you know, tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Let us know on the Discord. We'd love your support, by the way, uh, in terms of a five-star review, wherever you listen to your shows, a subscription. And yeah, if you really want to be cool, you can become a patron of Keeping Carlson over at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. We give a ton of perks. Like, really, you, you could even just consider becoming a patron just because you like the show and you just want to support the show and throw us like five bucks a month, you know, a US, it's like not, not very much money and it really makes us feel good and it helps us, helps us keep going here. But we actually give you like a ton of perks. Brian and I are super active on the discord where we're answering people's fantasy advice questions all the time. And there are other perks. You can read all about it over at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. But with that, Brian, oh, I'm saying it was a first career Hattie for Keller. That's what Patty's saying. I'm surprised by that. Keller's had a pretty good career, but well, some seasons of it. Anyway, Brian, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, let's cue the outro music. Why don't you go ahead and just Take us out of here with your discredits. All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons who truly do support new episodes of the show. So thanks to you all. And especially our super supporters who are uh, supporting us a little more strongly. Uh, thanks, Aaron, Tyler, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, Ricard, and of course, Patty for your 
ongoing support. Thank you to our team of Cuckupful Co-Commishes and our Cuckupful Coordinator, Kevin A. Bear. If you want to see more of all that's happening in the Cuckupful, you can see the standings. Like You can click in to Tier 1's League and see who people are adding at 3 a.m. Eastern Time and who's on rosters, who isn't. Use that. It's a good resource for you. KKUPFL.com. Thank you to Shams and you, Elon, for keeping all the amazing fantasy news coming at GameDayTweets.com. Thanks to Ben Lewis, who are going to come at you with two episodes of Short Shifts this week. Follow them at Short Shifts KK. Thanks to Dave, whose uh, weekly episode of the NHL Stream Scheme has just dropped. Follow him at NHL Stream Scheme. Thank you to our logo artist, BrandonWeeb.com. Thank you to Pat Roach for our beautiful outro music. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Yahoo! Great job as always, Brian. Thanks again to the patrons who joined us live for our recording. That's another one of the perks, by the way, of becoming a patron of Kimmy Carlson. Uh, this has been so much fun. Good luck, everyone, in your matchups next week. Happy holidays, all that stuff. I guess it's time to start saying that. And we'll see too you early all. to start saying too. that. Why are you saying that now? I don't know. Happy getting ready for the holidays. Oh, good yeah. luck. Happy decorating. Luck. I'm sure the auto-inserted ads that you're getting with this show are all about buying things to prepare for the holidays. So listen to those and I don't know. You don't, I'm just kidding. You don't have to actually like buy anything. You won't help us, by the way, if you buy things based on the ads. Just uh, subscribe to the show. Why am I, what am I saying? Blah, blah, blah. Bye, Brian. What should we all do as as holiday time is coming and we're all enjoying all this great content about fantasy hockey? Well, I hope what you're doing is doing all that you can to make sure that fantasy hockey can be something for everyone.